Hey guys, welcome back to the Woodworking Podcast. My name is Nick Ferry, and I'm hanging with a couple of my friends, April Wilkerson. Hey guys. And Jay Bates. Hey folks. Um, this week, we are going to be talking about, I have no clue, uh, going right into breaking news maybe. Yeah, let's go. I mean, what do you have going on, Nick? Uh, I'm, I'm trying to finish up that TV lift cabinet. The project itself is actually all done. It's just a matter of editing the video and writing the article. Um, but it's, it's, it's more or less, um, I could expand on that more, but it's one of those things to where you get a project, you've been working on it for so long, but then like four or five other projects catch your attention. Mm -hmm. So it kind of detracts from, from finishing up, you know, a couple other things. And that's kind of where I'm at. There's like four or five other projects I, I really want to get a start on. And uh, this one just just doesn't want to seem to leave my shop. <laughs> we should actually make that a topic for later because I deal with that sometimes uh, about maybe like losing motivation for one specific project and wanting to move to something else. But it's like since we're everybody's in our shops with us and watching what we're doing, it's like I almost feel an obligation to finish it. But if I'm not motivated to, then... You know, so it's the same thing with my dust collector. Everybody keeps asking, when are you going to install that thing? I'm like, well, I don't know. I'll circle back to it sooner or later. Yeah, I'm, 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 I get that a lot, actually. Um, you, you, you get the project so close to completion that you know you can complete it, but then something else kind of sparks your interest. What about you, Jay? I'm opposite with you guys on that particular aspect of it. Like, I, as, soon as, as soon as I see the finish line in sight, I, I want to get the project done and behind me. Uh, but as far as what I'm working on, I'm recovering from the Hurricane Nick Ferry that uh, <laughs> blew through my shop last week. And uh, I was going to say, I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, <clears throat> so if, for those who don't know, uh, a friend of mine named uh, Nick Ferry came and visited the shop last week. And uh, it was a lot of fun, a lot more shop time than what I'm used to. And just just trying to get back on... Just trying to get back on the normal routine. My sleeping pattern's still all screwed up, staying up way too late. But <laughs> it is what it like is. Sounds like a really good time, though. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of yeah, fun. Yeah, your, your garbage containers filled up rather quick. I was surprised. <laughs> <laughs> all three of them, I might add. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it was a good time. And uh, yeah, that's it kind of. Um, well, we'll get into that in a second about uh, the topic for today's podcast. But uh, April, what do you got working on? Um, this week, I'm actually not working on too much. I haven't been not to the shop yet. I'm going back and forth between a few different projects for this week, but it might turn out to, to be, I you know, just don't do something this week. My husband actually just quit his job, and so his last day is Friday. So I'm like trying to prepare for uh, that big transition. He's actually going to be coming and partnering up with me and kind of relieving some of the other tasks that goes into being a YouTuber and a blogger and whatnot. So I'm looking that, forward to it, but it is a, it's going to be a big transition. So that was a, a, a decisive move to uh, to help you and your you know your online content, right? Yeah, I mean, th the thing is, is I think it was Bob Claggett who said the project is only about twenty percent worth of the work, and there's just so many other things that come along with doing a project, and there's like a, a pretty much four big things every week. You know, the project the editing, the video, the website article, and now a set of plans. And so it, it come, it's down to the point to where this is just kind of taking up so much time. And then marketing too. Oh, yeah. And then the marketing and then interacting. I mean, there's really a lot of big key components. And I feel like um, 
I, 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 I love what I do and I'm so thankful that it's my job, but I still don't want my work to be my entire life. I just want it to be a part of my life. And so I think uh, with some help, it's going to be able to alleviate some of that and I can be, get back to some of the other things that I want to do in, in like with some free time. So yeah, I mean, it was, it was either um, him quit his job or me hire somebody else. So I'm really excited about the about the new change. That's I think. so cool. Hire your spouse. That's that's funny that, well, not funny, but it's, it's great that that's happening. I've mentioned that to my wife previously, like, hey, would you, you know, if, if things kept going the way that they're going, you know, contem- would you entertain the idea of quitting the quitting your job and, and helping me out here? And no, she's got no part of it. She loves what she does. I'm happy mm-hmm. for her, but she has absolutely no interest in any part of this other than the finished product sitting in the living room. <laughs> Yeah, I think the aspect, Cody loves his job and he works for a great company, great group of people as well. But I think the aspect is the flexibility of being self-employed. Um, so that, that I think is going to counterbalance his maybe not getting as much enjoyment in the actual duties themselves. But Like basically anyone says, oh, you're self-employed, you get to choose your own hours. And I always say, oh, yeah, you can, you can pick any 70 hours out of the week that you want to work. Exactly. Yeah, I work seven. I mean, all of us work seven days a week. So, yeah, I'm really hoping that with somebody on board, especially him. But, you know, the, the thing is, we should probably make this another topic because I can go on about it. But that's what I'm up to. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do a project this week or not. That's really cool. Did you announce that to anyone else? Uh, no, y'all are the first. <laughs> there you go. The, the woodworking podcast audience is the first to hear. That's awesome, April. I'm so happy for you guys. Thank you. That is very cool. Well, let's go ahead and get into the, this week's topic, guys. Um, we're going to be talking about working with other people in our shops. And this covers all grounds, of course. But let's start off with uh, working with people who have no experience. I have personally worked with two people that have no experience. But what about you guys? Well, I, I, for those that don't know, I do a lot of work in theater. It's a lot of volunteer work, building sets and stuff. And uh, I'm not Mr. Safety Police. However, when you get volunteers to help out on the weekend... Um, to help build sets, you always have to treat them like they've never touched a tool because you can't just say, hey, go cut this on the table saw. And sometimes they feel obligated to, to please and to do the task, but maybe they've never used a table saw before. So I always have to say, you know, okay, are you familiar? And you, ha- you kind of have to read people well because sometimes people want to say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I've, I've used a table saw. You know, they don't want to say that they've never, you know, used one. So you always kind of have to monitor that. And that's always... Um, that's always a safety concern of mine is to make sure that, that they're using the equipment properly and that they're experienced. And if they're not uh, and you don't have time to teach them to do it properly, maybe give them a different task. Yeah. I had, um, I've worked with, I think there's two people that I've brought in my shop to build something that they wanted to build and they don't have any experience whatsoever. The first one was uh, the guy who actually took over my previous maintenance job, he wanted to build a small little console, like a media console, and he wanted to do it a certain way. I'm like, no, 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 no. The little uh, design bug got into me, and I was like, oh, no, 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 let's, let's do it this way. It'll be a little bit better. <laughs> so we you know, had to use just about every tool in the shop to kind of make a little like, this is how you do this kind of thing. And that was a great learning experience for me. Uh, first off, you know he's he's learning all kinds of new stuff as all these tools he's never used before. But great learning experience for me as to not take the fun out of it by making this like a college curriculum, you know. And it, there's certain ways you do this, and certain ways you do this, and certain ways you do this, and uh, it, it's 
it's a lot of fun having someone else with no experience in your shop in its own neat, unique little way. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those things to where it's fun to do every once in a while. But I, I love working by myself and having full control over how loud my music is and the work pace and flow that I that I do. And I don't know, just uh, my shop time is so. I don't know, kind of sacred to me, <laughs> but I have had my niece in the shop with me twice. And of course she's a lot younger and absolutely no experience with tools. And so that was, that was a fun little kind of change up, but it's not something that I would want to do on a regular basis. I don't think just always have somebody in my shop or maybe share my, my shop space with somebody else. But yeah, every once in a while. And I found like with working with the beginner, um, she was really open with, her like level of uh, maybe intimidation or how uncomfortable she was using certain things. And so I started her off with the, just using a jigsaw instead of maybe a circular saw and that kind of, and let her build up the confidence over the, you know, even a 30 minute period on, Oh, okay, I can use this tool and it's, it's going to be fine. And then, then she started eyeballing the miter saw and wanting to advance on her own. And she started asking me about it. So yeah, I found like work with, with working with her just kind of let, like what you said, just kind of read her, engage her, and then let her move at her own pace and help her out whenever she's ready to move on to something bigger. So how old was she? She was 15 at the time. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I think also another key with working with, because I get asked all the time, how do you, what's your suggestion for getting my wife interested? And it's one of those things where I, I really feel like woodworking and making is not for everybody. So I try to like set them up for you know, don't be too disappointed if they just don't have any interest in it. It's just like with any other hobby. But I think one of the key things um, is to, if you're going to try to get somebody new into the shop with you, whether they be young or a, a female maybe, do something that's geared towards their interest, something that they're going to be using, something that they're going to be very interested in building. And also, I think the key point for a beginner is to make it quick and short, like maybe an hour to two, to three hours, you know, and then. Yeah, that's important right there. The the quick and short part, because mm -hmm. like I said, with the this guy, we built, the, we built the media console and I was trying to teach him all kinds of different. We ended up staying in there like eight hours that day, building the entire media center from start to finish. And I could totally tell halfway through, he was like, man, <laughs> let's just press the easy button and get this done, you know? Yeah, I think, I think that you you have to kind of build them up and work them up to that level. I mean, that was definitely mine. Like whenever I was like, I'm going to be, I'm going to make stuff. Like if you would have thrown me in on an eight hour project, I probably would have just been like, you know what? This isn't for me, but it's, it's just like with anything else, you kind of work up to it. And then you realize how you have to get the bug started, yeah. you know, kind of implanted. And then they, I don't know, they just kind of latch onto it and, and they're more willing to spend more time. Even more so, I know I noticed with my kids. Uh, basically, I, I kind of have a rule of thumb, and one six, one is four, and anything over an hour, they, they're losing interest. And mm -hmm. it sounds like such a short duration, but right around that half hour mark, they're still excited. Forty five minutes, they're looking, they're looking for the end. So if, if you don't deliver the end within an hour, they're kind of like, all right, I want to go do something else. Mm -hmm. So they're not making any cherry high boys anytime soon. No, no. I mean, maybe drawing them with some crayon. <laughs> but another thing, like April said about trying to find somebody's interest, uh, my wife's grandparents for many years, um, 
the the grandpa cut out these like um, I guess you want to call them lawn decorations, and then his wife would paint them and trace them out and stuff. And they made a really good team, and they batched out a ton of these things. And they were able to sit next to each other while he's either jigsawing or sanding, and she's painting and stuff. So that was good, enjoyable time that. You know, she liked to paint and he liked to cut, and but they were still, you know, spending time together. So that's another good, good option. Definitely, De- definitely, if you can play off each other's strengths. But it's like going back to what you said, though. It's like if they're not interested, then they're just not interested. Like my wife, I've tried to actually. She has been in the shop and made one project, and you know, she has given it a try. And and I'm not going to keep pushing it, you know, pushing it after that. But it's just not for her. That's fine. That's totally cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also to be cognizant too. I always kind of. Uh, uh, compare it to like a grizzly bear and you're, you're not supposed to be scared. You're supposed to stand up and make yourself known. If you get somebody that's new in front of it, like a table saw or a bandsaw, and you can see the fear in their eyes, that, that thing's going to attack them then. I mean, they have to have the confidence to use the tool. So, yeah, like, uh, you know, start out small with, like, say, a jigsaw or a scroll saw or something like that, something a lot less, um, you know, heavy on the risk. But. Mm-hmm. And intimidating. And I think that that's really important for beginners because if you start them off with something that is going to attack them, I mean, even if they don't get hurt, if they just feel how high that risk is and get really scared from it, I think that that's going to de- de- like put them off from even using simpler tools. But if you set them up by showing them how to use a drill and a jigsaw or maybe a brad nailer, then they kind of like, oh, okay. This is not beyond me to learn. I can do this. And then just slowly move up to more advanced, intimidating tools. Yeah. And then the tools themselves, because um, with now with my cabinet saw, that thing, I, I always say that it hums. You know, it's a real quiet hum. In fact, we all have the same table saw, so we know how quiet it is. But if you get one of those aluminum top contractor saws that, you know, left to its own devices will rattle around and nuts <laughs> and bolts are popping out that can be intimidating to even kind of a seasoned woodworker. So sometimes it's just the tools, you know? Yeah, agreed. Good point. Yeah. I'm, I, that could be a whole other topic for me, but I had a Craftsman aluminum top that it would literally vibrate and move around. I had to put sandbags on it, Loctite on all the fasteners. It was, it was just a beast. It would just bark, and I just hated that thing. I got rid of it as soon as I could. I'm with you. Yeah. I, I was. I've had the same same situation with the old skill saw, like the skill aluminum top ones, to where I had to like put my foot on the first horizontal rung of the the stand as I'm feeding stuff through, so it would just quit walking away from me. Yeah, those are those are scary. Yeah, Nick, I had the same table saw starting off. I bought it on Craigslist. It was the only thing I could afford, and it was the same thing. You turn it on, and you're having to move along because it's. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It was. It was an interesting. Like I had. Uh, the uh, the crank wheel for the depth adjustment on the blade it vibrated so much that the blade would move up or do- up or down depending on its mood. Oh so boy! I, I had to put a vice grips on the bottom of the wheel. That was my depth <laughs> lock. So the weight of that kept it uh, kept it from spinning around. But yeah, so I guess knowing your tools too, that would because uh, you don't. I, I guess you don't want to put somebody brand new on a table saw on something as unwieldy as as that, but. So on the opposite side of the spectrum, we've got people working with people who actually do have experience. And I've, I've witnessed that firsthand, I guess, last week when Nick came in and visited my shop for a bit. And it, it, there's, there's so many different little avenues for, um, for learning 
I guess, to where to see how certain people accomplish the same task or how they work, their workflow and, and the differences and things you can pick up. And that was like the big eye opener of Nick being here was, you know, just seeing the exact same end result. But the process getting there was different. The way he set up the table saw for uh, what, what do you make? It was tongue and groove joinery for a small cabinet door. Uh, just, yeah. just little subtleties that are different that you can possibly pick up on. Um, and then, you know, the different organization levels that people have and, and just working and communicating through projects and stuff. It's, it's a great experience. I think the different organizational levels, wink, wow. wink, wink, Nick, wink, wink. <laughs> what are, what are y'all two different levels? Uh, he's very organized and precise and I'm very like task oriented. And, and if a tool gets left out, it gets left out. Okay. I would, I labeled it as, Controlled chaos versus organized and tidy. <laughs> yes. And I don't even know how controlled the chaos was. <laughs> He's being polite. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree. And, and that's another thing, too. You always want to, um, if somebody has experience, you still want to be a little bit mindful because I've seen guys on construction sites that have you know, 15, 20 years experience but that would do procedures on a table saw that I wouldn't ever dream of doing. And so you always still have to take the reins and say, hey, it's my shop, use a push stick here, or you don't work in my shop. You know, I, I've seen that plenty of times, but, but I agree with Jay. Seeing the different procedures, the different setups, and everything that, that somebody else may, or, you know, may have that, that has experience is definitely interesting to see. I don't get to see it that often. So have y'all ever worked with somebody else as experienced as y'all besides each other, each other? I previously haven't. Nick Nick coming to the shop, that was the first time I've ever had somebody with, I would say, equal comfort and experience around tools. Okay. I have on occasion with, with like I said, different theater builds, but um, most often it's, it's people with less experience because they're just volunteering, helping out on the weekends or whatever. Mm-hmm. It goes back to that same same uh, aspect of gauging the people, though, because yeah, I, I understand Nick's been doing this forever, but you still, you know, you still don't know. Like the first time you use this particular tool or use this particular tool, you just get that you know careful, watchful eye of like, okay, you know, it, it's just the first time, you know, it's the first time yeah. seeing it. Yeah, and I like messing with people too. So if he would have had chainsaw, <laughs> I think I would have put the bar between my legs and tried to pull start it. <laughs> and like, oh, I'm sorry, this isn't that. I got to put on some safety glasses or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot my hearing protection. <laughs> That's hilarious, Nick. I don't think I've ever worked with anybody experienced. Uh, well, I know I haven't. Um, probably the most experienced person with tools is my husband. But since he's not into woodworking or making things, he's a gearhead. Um, I, you know, I mean, I don't really think that it's on the same level, but if, if I did have the opportunity to work with somebody experienced, like even one of you guys, I think that I would be able to pick up a lot because from this point forward or from this point up to this point, I've just been self-taught and watching, picking up things off of YouTube. So I'm sure if somebody were in my shop, I would just learn so much in a short amount of time. So here's a question for you on that same topic. So okay. two ways, if you could work with somebody else in your shop, who would you like to bring with you to your shop? And then if you could go to somebody else's shop and do a project with them, who would that be? Okay, so coming to my shop, you, uh, <laughs> and Aww. going to somebody else's shop, Jimmy Duresta. I wouldn't allow Jimmy in my shop just because, <laughs> <laughs> like, I could not, I will, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't rethink that. He's so, like, his shop is so cluttered and 
untidy that I I think that if I went to his shop, I would just be focused on that and want to pick up everything. But probably he, not. He's the example of controlled chaos in his shop. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he knows where everything is, but it would drive me nuts probably. But yeah, I would love to go to Jimmy's shop and do a project with him. I, I think that he's one of those types to where I would just be able to learn so much from. But then on the same hand, you, I like... I think that you and I have a, a similar style, but I learned so much from the way that you teach things, and I like that you're organized. So I would I would feel comfortable <laughs> with you coming to my shop and touching my space. <laughs> now with tools, though, you got to remember that's kind of like um, you know Jimmy knows where everything is in his shop. It reminds yeah. me of you know when I get out of the shower and I and the towels on the ground, and then I go back the next day and I'm like, hey the towel is missing. It's not on the ground where I left it. She goes, I put it away. <laughs> like, but now I don't know where it is. So the same thing with my shop. It's like my pliers was sitting on the ground right next to my theater cart. Where did it go? Oh, I can't do it. You have to like dance around your shop to get to everything. And especially in the middle of a project, it just drives me nuts. Like oh. I will actually stop in the middle of the project if my space gets too out of control and I'll spend 15 minutes putting everything away. And Absolutely. like the deal is, is that if you spend time organizing your shop to where things have a spot to go, then it only takes 10 or 15 minutes to pick up. Yeah, if everything yeah, has a spot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, my, my stuff doesn't have a home as of right now. So um, once everything has a home, it'll be a lot more organized. And that'll be with the year to come. I, I'm, sh I'm sure it'll get a lot better. Mm -hmm. So what about you, Nick? Whose shop would you go to and who would you like in your shop? Um, Just to put you on the spot. <laughs> well, it'd either be between Norm Abram because I, I just loved his shop and how much, you know, just, I just loved his shop. Either that or Frank Haworth. Mm. It's some of the equipment, the, the turn of the century type stuff, uh, just huge equipment. I think, you know, to be able to resaw what he can and, um, and then who to have in my shop, that, that'd be a tougher one. I'd probably, I'd probably pick either one of you guys. Because I think I think it would be a, a fun approach. Because now now that I've been to Mississippi, it'd be cool to have you here and uh, April and yeah, that'd be that'd be awesome. That would be awesome. That would be cool. I I definitely want to make a trip up there as well, back to your shop. But just to venture off a little bit from that, I would like to go to uh, to build in somebody else's shop with somebody else. I would like to hang out in Frank Howarth's shop for a little bit, pick his mind about certain things and. And, and just just try and be creative and, and build something cool. That would be that would be really really awesome. As far as someone coming to my shop, I would think it would just be absolutely cool to have uh, Matthias Wandel in here, and ah. just or I can't pronounce his name, Matthias Matthias, in in my shop and just see that the way see the way that like that genius could do things with 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 my my shop. You know, I feel uh, like Matthias is so. Uh one above my intelligence level, but then also above my skill level that if he were to come to my shop, I would literally just have to stand back and watch and try to <laughs> try to follow along, you know? So I think Matias would be the one where I would feel comfortable going to his shop and just observing. Yeah, but you can, I mean, you can pick up a lot from observing people. I was, oh, certainly. I was that kid to where, you know, my parents would go get the car oil changed and my, my eyes would be glued to the glass while they're lifting the car and you know, I didn't know what they were doing, but it was, you know, or the, the uh, furnace repairman would come and I'd be right over his shoulder. I'm sure he appreciated that. You know, <laughs> sitting there, but what's that for? What's that? What does that do? But that was just always my nature. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question, Jay. That's something fun to think about. 
All right, question from YouTube. Marty DeFore asks, I have been struggling to shoot my first video for YouTube, or my first YouTube video. What was your first video like? Mine was a train wreck. And did you do an intro? Did you write a script? Everyone tells me to just be yourself, but it's hard trying to be yourself while on video, sort of breaking the ice. Uh, for me, my first 30 or so videos were just horrible really really bad as far as like getting yourself out there and just just making something the best advice i could give anybody is to just put the camera hit hit record and just act like it's a friend who's interested act like it's someone who's trying to figure out what you're doing and just talk to them as if you're you're building with them yeah that's really good advice and i i had always advised people just turn the camera on and just start playing with it see what works maybe uh, do an intro don't do an outro or intro and then whenever you're editing it just see what what footage you like and how to put it together to tell what you want to tell the best you know how to how to deliver the information that you want to deliver the best way but i didn't i didn't do an intro at all i think i did like a little title screen after maybe 20 videos in or something like that but i didn't do like an actual intro to the project i'm not a big fan of intros there's very few intros i find that like just just really work the rest of them in my opinion are like wasted time like i always find myself skipping forward in certain situations so i would advise to not do an intro just dive right in if people are interested they'll keep watching you know I, I agree with April as far as just get out there and shoot. I mean, because with you know digital cameras and camera phones these days, the cost of film is at an all-time low. So you don't have to worry about burning up film and getting that developed. But um, yeah, I mean, act like you're, you know, you're talking to a friend in the shop. That's probably the what I hear the most is people getting comfortable with talking to an inanimate object, such as a camera. I guess I had a little bit of a benefit going in because I've acted in theater before. So, you know, me uh, on stage with like 10 other people talking to 300 empty seats is, is nothing weird to me. So, um, but I, I think everybody, and I mean everybody that goes and looks back at their earlier videos pretty much hates them. So it's, it's an evolutionary process. Yeah, don't expect perfection right out of the gate. I mean, I've I've been making videos for three years now, and I'm still looking for perfection. You'll never find it. You just continually try to improve and and just keep the snowball going. Mm -hmm. I know one thing for me is I I absolutely despise bad audio, like terrible, terrible, terrible audio. So that was one thing out of many that I just I kind of wanted to pay attention to was having decent audio and make it a pleasure to listen to versus I, I didn't necessarily you know have to have like the most HD or the best lighting or the best framing or the best editing I just wanted good audio um, because that's just a pet peeve of mine but yeah I didn't have any of that audio or video expertise or 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 decent quality back then or at all i shot on a cell phone with dust under the lens cap and, and a horrible microphone but it, all that stuff doesn't matter uh, you know we've talked about this several times on previous different uh platforms or whatever all that stuff doesn't matter just tell the story and, and make the story interesting and just go with it but mm -hmm. as far as like what was this other part of the question did you write a script i have wrote a script or a narration i guess you could say in I think two videos out of everything that I've ever done. That's the hardest part for me of making a video is if I wanted to narrate or voice over after, after the fact. That's so difficult for me. Scripts are crazy difficult for me. I would recommend just, just going with it. Just, just like I said, talk, talk to the camera like it's, a, like it's a friend or something. 
What are you mm-hmm. talking about? I'm reading off a script right now. <laughs> this episode has been brought to you by. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I've never written a script, um, you know, like a verbatim to read off of. But a lot of times in my, my vlogs, I will just have one or two word highlights of, of topics I, I have to remember. And uh, I just expand on it from there. But Talking points or key topics or, or keynotes or stuff like that. That's, that's not what I'm talking about with like a full script, you know. Yeah, I think a, a script is... Um too difficult. I'm with you, Jay. Um, I don't, I've never written a script either, but what I do is I, I set the camera on record and then I just start talking to it and it's a, it's a jumbled mess. And as I'm looking at the footage, you can see whenever I'm able to like get my thoughts together just by speaking out and not worrying about the format of my sentence or, uh, the, the words that I'm using or the placement of it, n- none of that. And then after I get it all out on, this is kind of the general idea of what I want to say, then I'm able to kind of like uh, rephrase it where it's shorter, makes a little bit more sense and is more to the point. Because I found that that's, that's really important in videos. It's just kind of get the information out there, be, be to the point and clear about it. Yeah. And, and Jay alluded to it earlier about intros and he was not a huge fan because he doesn't think a lot of them work. I think the key to an intro is to keep it short. I mean, five to maybe seven seconds is kind of, you know, right in that golden area. I mean, you know, longer may work for different people, but when you do your outro, you know, the, the audience retention or people start to, you know, the, the people that came to see just the project, they've already left as soon as you've appeared. So that's your time to explain to the audience why you did the project or maybe to go into anywhere from 30 seconds to 45 seconds to to kind of um, give a synopsis of it. And you don't have to be as succinct about it. Yeah, I kind of I actually do an intro on most of my videos and some of them are really short and some of them are longer. But I try to keep it, um, I think, seven seconds. That's a uh, that's pretty short, but I like that number. But I find that most of mine are anywhere between 15 to 25 but now, I like to explain to people why I'm doing this project. I think there's two different kind of intros we're talking about here. Like, I think introducing the project is okay. I think that's great. And and introducing, if you can still keep it short and sweet, and then and then just roll into the video. But like a like a a branded intro of Uh-oh, no. that's what I'm talking about. Like, I those very few of those actually work for me. I'm just uh, it's because there's certain channels that I watch. It's just like okay, I know the content is gonna start a minute and twenty five seconds in. Mm. That's just a bit much, and if it's so predictable, I'm gonna click forward. Yeah, I I did them for a number of videos, and I'm on the fence of whether I like them or don't like them. I haven't done them recently just because it cuts, you know, five or 10 minutes of my editing time. But the reason I do like them is because in this non-tangible, you know, virtual space that we live in, that kind of sets them in a geographical location in, in their mindset to say, you're now on Nick's channel in Nick's little world. You know, that kind of sets the premise to that. And that part I like, but like I said, it's, it's not a deal breaker for me because I don't, I don't think that people are clicking away. I think mine was six seconds you know, the actual branded intro. So I don't think they were necessarily skipping over it. And I, you know, I don't think it's a plus or a minus. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think I have a a short little intro that I use occasionally. I don't put it on every single one, but occasionally I'll throw it up there just mainly because I want people to understand where I got my Wilker dues name from. So I'll throw that in there every once in a while, just to kind of let maybe new viewers know, but it's only six or seven seconds. So it's not a big deal. One of the things that I've actually struggled with is, you gotta you gotta remember that you have a, a solid audience, a return audience of awesome, awesome people. 
Um, but yet, th- this might be the first video somebody ever sees of yours. So I'm always like, welcome back. I'm Nick. Mm-hmm. What's like? 40,000 people know that your name is Nick, but you know, there, there might be 15 people that are seeing this for the first time. So, and it looks like we got time for uh, one more question here from YouTube. Uh, Trevor Vera wants to know, will you guys all consider doing a um, challenge or a build off, uh, say like a two by four challenge that you can make with minimum tools. He's overseas and he's saying that tools are hard to come by and all he has really is a couple of drills and like a circular saw. Yeah, I think that'd be a fun little build off or challenge. Um, I, th- I think I've actually done another one previously similar to that, a limited tools project. It wasn't a two by four. I think I used a little section of, I think it was one by six. I made a a boot jack in my apartment living room, and my on wife, your kitchen table, right? On my on my kitchen table, my wife yelled at me for that, which you know <laughs> that, that's okay. I should have been yelled at for that. Um, but yeah, that'd be cool to do a little build off or something like that. That's definitely something to consider going going forward. Yeah, with limited tools, I like that. I think it's just a matter of of dealing with everybody's very busy schedule. But I think if somebody organizes it and sets it up, I think that it would be fun. I I could see doing it because I actually have a a two by four project idea that I've had for four or five years. Um, I don't know how limited tools it would be because I would I would need the accuracy of uh, a table saw with a with a rip fence. But other than that, that's about all I would need is a drill and a table saw. Yeah, working with a two-by-four especially, a table saw is really handy. That way you could resaw it, and it just opens up your options so many on what you could build out of it. So maybe if it was a limited tools project, maybe something out of like a one-by-four a or one-by-six. Yeah. I think that you know, like the challenge itself would introduce another challenge of working with a smaller uh, a limited tool set, you know, because I'd be inclined to take a circular saw and screw it to a piece of wood, flip it upside down, and make a little makeshift, you know, table saw just for the project <laughs> to still get away I, with I, having a table saw. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously doable, but I, I don't think I would, if I have the nice table saw, I don't want to like step back in caveman days just, just because. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's that, but there'd be, it'd be a little bit of fun of, of actually just, you know, seeing what I could do with the smaller ones, you know, just, just mm-hmm. for one time and then put them away and go back to business as usual. Yeah. Maybe you think about it different. Cause that'd be like, should I walk to the grocery store? Be like, no, I own a car. I don't want to get all nostalgic of, you know, like <laughs> you have to walk to where they went, you know, <laughs> you don't break out your horse drawn carriage every now and then. Oh, you know, once in a while I'll bust out the buckboard, but uh, you know, it only depends <laughs> if it's, if it's warm outside. <laughs> But yeah, no, that would be uh, an interesting one. I don't think I've ever done a minimum tools challenge per se. So I, th- I think that would be interesting. Real quick, just to throw it in there. Uh, do you guys know of any giveaways or not giveaways, but contests or uh, anything going on in the community right now? Um, yeah, James Green has got a pen turning challenge uh, going on for the complete month of February, I believe. Uh, we'll have all the, the links. We'll have put that down below because I'm not sure if it goes to... February 28th or 29th being its leap year. but uh, And basically, you just have to turn a pen. Um, and there's all sorts of prizes and stuff. And the uh, pens are then going to be donated to um, the United States uh, servicemen and women uh, serving either you know here or overseas. I'm not exactly sure, but it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of a cool challenge he's got going. He's got a YouTube channel and everything. You, what was his name again? 
James Green. James Green. I'll definitely put that in the in the notes for this podcast as well. And then also, I got a little email saying that somebody was having some type of table saw sled giveaway. Do you know anything about that? <laughs> yeah, I um, I think that even just started like yesterday or two days ago. Uh, I'm giving away a table saw sled. My table saw sled that I built on my YouTube channel. Uh, that video passed a quarter million views. So I wanted to do something to kind of say thanks. And uh, I teamed up with Craig Tools. And they're giving away all the aluminum and all the miter slots and all that. And I'm giving away the plans and then a, a gift card to buy the wood. So you can enter uh, at nickferry.com as, for a chance to win everything you'll need to build the sled. So I thought that was cool. That that's, is awesome. That's very, very cool. Yeah, yeah. congrats on the uh, quarter mill. I'm going to go enter your giveaway. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> a sled is something that I definitely need. Yeah, and that sled really, I mean, obviously I built it, so I'm a little biased, but I really do like that thing. A sled and, and then that dust collector, you're getting it going. That's, yeah, you know, just throwing that out there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, that wraps it up for this episode. Uh, thank you all for joining us today. There's a couple of different ways that you can keep up with the podcast and get notified of any new content. You can go to the woodworkingpodcast.com, and at the top you'll find three conveniently clickable buttons to subscribe on Android via RSS or on iTunes. We finally got the whole iTunes thing situated. So yay. If you guys are are on iTunes, uh, be sure to leave us a review. Uh, I guess that helps. And if you just like typing a bunch of stuff out for no reason whatsoever, then you could also type in www.thewoodworkingpodcast.com slash feed on any podcast player app. So that wraps it up for this one. As always, thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next time. Bye everyone. See you later guys.